and welcome to the latest edition of my podcast, Talking Dudley South, with me, Mike Wood, Member of Parliament for uh, Dudley South. These podcasts focus on a number of important issues affecting our, our local community, people living and working locally. And if this is the first one you've listened to, you can download the others wherever you normally get your podcast from, whether that's from Apple, whether it's from Spotify, whether it's from Google Play. Today, we're, we're looking at what's being done, what more we can do to help equip people uh, with the right skills and uh, training opportunities. Particularly important, obviously, as we look towards life after this uh, global pandemic, when we try and rebuild the economy, make sure that people have got the skills they need, either to get into the work, uh, workforce for the first time, or hopefully to find new jobs, build new careers after time away. Really pleased to be uh, joined today by some great guests. We've got Neil Thomas, who's the Chief Executive at uh, Dudley College of Technology. Alison Marshall, who's Manager of the Black Country Skills Shop, which is based at Mary Hill. And Mike Lord, who's the Chief Executive of Skills Home Lifts, which is a business major employer here in Dudley South. So I wonder if we could start uh, perhaps with Neil. You know, how has COVID impacted training and learning opportunities uh, in our region? Uh, thanks, Mike. I mean, first to say there are lots of training opportunities still out there, but there's no doubt that it has had an impact. Um, most notably, of course, on our employers, and I'm sure Mike will echo this, employers' ability to support training during a period when they're under a lot of other pressures, quite obviously, has been impacted. And I think that's been most notable in the apprenticeships world, um, where we've seen a bit of a drop-off in people able to take on new apprentices or even retain existing apprentices. Uh, but that doesn't mean there aren't opportunities out there, and thankfully there are. But no doubt it's a difficult time for the employers um, that, that we look after in the region. And Alison, are you seeing the same kind of thing? Sorry, was that Alison? Sorry, yes. Sorry, um, yes, Alison. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Um, yes, I mean, we work with, um, at the skill shop, we work with people who are currently unemployed and we are looking for um, employers to offer positions so that we can train those people in order to move into those positions. So, yeah, it is very very challenging times. And Mike, obviously, is a local business with a good record in training and developing workers, and particularly young workers, uh, into skilled roles. What have you seen during the pandemic? Yeah, so I guess uh, phase one lockdown shocked us all, and, and everybody sort of got in the trenches and pulled something over their head and pretended it wasn't happening to an extent. And that, that then made you a little bit more circumspect about taking on extra people. As we came out of lockdown one, our business actually bounced back above pre-COVID levels and we hadn't had the same torturous journey through that as quite a lot of other businesses had. So our business kept going pretty well. So as we came out of that, we were back onto the recruitment process and we've, we've been lucky to be growing very quickly over the last few years anyway. So yeah, we've, we've definitely been stuck right back into hiring extra people and uh, looking back at apprentices again and trying to get some programs going that were more difficult during lockdown. And, and certainly uh, when everybody's telling you to stay at home, it's really hard to take on young people because they can't start by working at home. It just, it just doesn't work. Part of, no. part of this whole experience is getting used to being at work and being in that structured environment of work. And, and so it's so important to be able to get people into the offices and to be able to work with them. And we've got two or three apprenticeships we're looking for at the moment. And we we're just having a debate this morning. We've got an IT apprentice starting. Uh, we've, we've appointed and we're just trying to work out 
what do we do? And in the end, we just said, do you know what? We're just going to start the person because it's unfair on them to leave them sitting there till after Christmas. So we're just going to start them. And if necessary, we'll bring some people into the office to work with them to, to make that work for them. So, so yeah, just, just have to carry on the best you can. And of course, the virus has had huge impact on, well, really most people, most directly, obviously, on the, uh, the health impact on those families uh, directly affected but also the economic social impact. And whilst it's affected most people, it has had a particular effect on younger people, those recently in the workplace where, as you say, working from home, it may be a nice option if you're, if you're in a secure role where you, you may be middle management, you may have been there some while, you may be well up the career ladder. If you're just starting off and you haven't got those opportunities for the social interaction on the same basis, the, you know, the mentoring opportunities that normally so important in, in building a career, then that's obviously, you're losing a huge amount and it really damages your opportunities. So all three of you, are, what, what kind of work have you been able to do to help people to skill up during this pandemic? I'll go first. I mean, I think, as Mike said, it's kind of different now as compared to the first lockdown. The first lockdown was just very, very difficult. We had to go to completely online delivery. And that might be okay if you're studying an A-level in psychology. It's pretty hard if you're training to be a welder um, to do online. And, and there are lots of other examples I could use. So, um, but we did, we switched to completely online delivery and, and offered completely online programs for adults just to keep them engaged. But as soon as we were allowed to reopen in June, um, we got right back to face-to-face technical training. And thankfully, the recent national lockdown has allowed us to continue and carry on doing that because... There really just isn't any um, replacement for it. We've got quite good technical facilities here, as I know you're aware, Mike. So in the absence of being able to get apprenticeships or to get the experience in the workplace, we've got to try and provide as good of equivalent to that here at the college as we can, whilst we try to move people forward and ready for the world of work. So it's not without its challenges, but you know, it, at least we're able to, to deliver that technical training face-to-face. Yeah, I'll, I'll second that. Because we're part of the Merry Hill Shopping Centre, we were allowed to open as part of the um, non-essential shops. And as soon as we could, we started to invite people into the centre, especially young people. And what we've been doing a lot of is um, sector-based work academy programmes, where we're delivering training that's directly linked to the employer. So we've done quite a lot of work with local employers, one in particular, um, KFC, would you believe, straight after lockdown, one we're recruiting very heavily, especially with the Eat Out to Help Out scheme. And so we were inviting young people into the centre to deliver customer service training and embedding in that, obviously, all of the employability elements that KFC were looking for. And we've managed to move quite a few young people into work with that particular employer. So, And we found very definitely that those young people benefited from being out and about and in that social sort of setting with other people, like-minded people in the same situation. Great. Now, as some of you will know, I organise an apprenticeship fair every spring and a jobs fair every autumn. Now, I mean, it wasn't great timing this year. I think the apprenticeship fair was about two weeks before lockdown one and the jobs fair was booked for just as we're going into lockdown two. So, I mean, it wasn't the normal events we would normally hold. I mean, normally these attract hundreds and hundreds of people every year. The jobs fair at the start of this month, I mean, it was still 200 or so people, I think, took part. But we obviously had to adapt like everybody else by taking it online. We had the virtual event, employers and training providers, lots of opportunities 
between them because we know obviously there will be a world past uh, these restrictions and past this pandemic. But in terms of our local economy, the opportunities uh, that will be there, how do you think our, they will change? What will we see as a result of COVID and after? Yeah, maybe I could go first then because I'm a bit of a naysayer about changes in the world. Um, <laughs> having been around for a little while now, I'm not convinced that two months downstream of everybody being allowed to go back to a normal life will really be bothering that much about mm. how this has changed the world. Face-to-face contact is everything in, in my view. Everybody working from home all the time. Yeah, one day a week, fine, two, day, two days a week maybe. But after mm. that, you start to lose the thread of getting stuff done. So I'm not convinced it changes the local economy that much. I'm not, not convinced that the local economy is that broken. Uh, the Pennsnet estate where, where we are, it's really hard to find an, an industrial unit that's free right now. So, so I do think the local economy is quite buoyant. And, you know, versus the 20 or 30 years I spent on this estate in various businesses, this is the hardest it's been. And we had to wait for a new build to, to be able to upsize. Mm. So I, I just think that will be back to normal. I, you know, whilst insurance companies may think they can work remotely, if you're hands-on engineering operational businesses, you need to be face-to-face with your people yeah. and you need to just be doing what you've always done. And that's our approach and we'll get everybody back in our shiny new building as soon as we possibly can and we're allowed to. Yeah, I must say when I, uh, when I went around the Pensnet estate, well, I think it was September time, uh, looking at the new development there, as you say, there's pretty much no, uh, no, no space there at the moment. They're being snapped up very, very quickly. But Neil and uh, Alison, have you, have you got anything to add in terms of where you see the opportunities being next year as we, as we come out of this pandemic? I think I, I agree with Mike broadly. I don't think you'll see a radical change in the world, really. I mean, what we're already seeing is different industries starting to recover at different paces. So um, construction, for example, which is a large part of our world and training in that is, is starting to recover pretty quick. And we're getting already getting new apprentices in that field. Um, as you might expect, apprentices linked to hospitality and catering are, are, are a bit more of a challenge. But equally, I think there is opportunities in this. And we're seeing, for example... A spike in people being interested in careers in healthcare, for example, um, has, has been a, a real um, growth area. And the combined authority of supporting this with training for adults to, you know, to retrain into what they consider to be priority sectors in the region going forward, one of which would be manufacturing, of course, and construction and healthcare and digital being others. So I think you might see people sort of reflecting on their career and deciding where they want to go next. And certainly there's a, you know, a bigger reliance on technology and all of this than perhaps there ever has been and therefore more career opportunities linked to technology than there has been. But I think the core businesses that we've worked with for many years, you know, they, they're, they're just riding this out at the moment and will return hopefully to be successful in the future and will be there for them when they, are, when they do. Alison, have you got anything else? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And forever the optimist. And I do believe that um, the businesses will ride out the storm. But I also think what's happening with the um, adults that we're dealing with is that it is a chance for them to reset and rethink and maybe um, retrain uh, into other areas that perhaps maybe if they'd been in job, you know, full time permanently and you're on that sort of hamster wheel, that they didn't have that opportunity to take the time to actually um, think about what they want to do. So we are also seeing a lot of adults coming to us like why I may take this opportunity to retrain and do something a little bit different. So I mean the the general consensus seems to be that the the fundamentals of our local economy and the skills that are needed are likely to be as important as ever 
you know, after COVID as they, as they were before we went uh, into the health crisis. Do you think there are any other particular areas of skills where there are going to be growth areas where, you know, if you're a teenager looking as, as to what skills you should be uh, looking to develop that you think would be providing a particularly strong basis for the future? I'm a great believer in having a core educational strength behind you and, and by that I mean you know, carpentry qualification and electrical qualification a plumbing qualification and engineering qualification and some hands-on experience in, in those types of age-old always there always will be there skills really that people have and can use and refer back to and fall back on in their lives if, if anything else does go wrong so to always always start there tech's lovely and software development software is becoming one of those core skills now as we move forward so yeah having a software skill and being able to program or uh, at least implement systems and and I, and I think the human element of skills we miss so often is is those softer skills as uh, Alison was talking about before it's a customer service and sales skills people always need to talk to people and whilst we can replace people to an extent with technology in terms of you know bots on websites and that sort of stuff ultimately talking to people and having those skills being able to engage with a customer either face-to-face on the phone by email whatever way it is and being able to intelligently do that and conduct that is very very uh, important as well for every business that that has a customer and guess what all businesses have customers if they don't they don't last very long as businesses do they so really focus on the essentials and there are obviously a lot of opportunities with you know local uh, training providers you know local skills organizations to really get a good foundation in, uh, to, to a very high standard in those uh, in those areas yeah i think it's, mike's point is absolutely right and if you look at individuals who, and businesses who've who've weathered out the last few months the best it's the ones that have been able to show flexibility who have been able to problem solve who have focused on the customer absolutely during that period who have been very good at communications throughout that period you know these are the core skills we need you know our employees of the future to have and they're as important as the technical skills in whatever discipline we train them in and I did say, you know, it's a difficult time potentially to find apprenticeship vacancies now. They are improving. It is getting better. Um, it, you know, every week we see more and more vacancies and Alison sees more and more employers looking to recruit people. But in the meantime, you know, my message out there to people is take the opportunities that are there. There's, there's never been more opportunities for training. There's never been more flexibilities in adult retraining than, than there is now, thanks to some of the recent introductions. Um, you know, young people have got a guaranteed place for education. Um, you know, and some fantastic facilities to do that across the region. Um, so, you know, don't wait for it to come to you to go and grab and get involved with the training and start to develop those skills and opportunities um, will come, I'm sure. And on that theme, obviously, the, the government's new kickstart scheme where employers are, are paid to, uh, to create paid placements for, uh, for young people who have been out of work, you know, six months paid wage. What, what do you think of this? Where do you see the opportunities? How do you think it can make a difference for both for young people in our area, but also for local businesses? We've actually um, had some dealings with a company that was looking to offer kickstart placements, Mike, and we um, moved three young people who came to us through our mentoring circles into uh, work 
placements with um, a small business uh, actually in Stourbridge and all three of them have now been offered permanent positions on the back of that work experience placement and that was all through the kickstart scheme so yes I see it as a very very um, positive move for the the younger people that are finding themselves unemployed at the moment. I think the key here for, for businesses is just making this so easy to access. The large businesses have the infrastructure to be able to just just get on board with these programs and understand them. Uh, smaller businesses, and that's where a lot of the jobs are now and where a lot of the growth in the economy comes, just needs to be so easy for an SME that, you know, it could be five or six people in an SME or it could be 50 people. They just don't have the same structures in place to be able to uh, access these schemes as everybody else does. So it just has to be so simple, stupid, straightforward for people to do it because so often you get halfway down a press, you just think, this is just too hard work. I'll just go find somebody with experience and and, and have a, a full-time employee do this role rather than actually wanting to say, okay, let's try and experiment with some apprentices and let's try and give some young people some opportunity. So, and the number of schemes out there at the moment, it's quite confusing when you sat at this end of the the table thinking mm, okay which scheme am i on here and and that's why relationships with you know, dudley college which we have do help an awful lot because um they, they can take care of the admin bit of it if they can do that bit of it make it easy for us then yeah bring bring on the apprentices bring on the graduates who need that first introduction to work and and we're, we're here to you know we're in a place where we can invest in younger people and and from our perspective mold them to what what stilts needs and from their perspective in that first opportunity and that's a really important point, isn't it? Because I mean, in the black country, nearly three quarters of people do work for small and medium sized businesses. And those are businesses without large HR departments that can be dealing with all these schemes. Uh, and so for things like Kickstarter, I think this is where organizations like whether it's Black Country Chamber, who can act as the umbrella body to, to bring smaller businesses together, have a really important role to play. I know Corin and his team at the Black Country Chamber are looking at how they can take some of that overhead away so that, as you say, small businesses can just get on with doing their core business of either producing things, supplying services, creating the jobs we need without having to worry about every dot and comma in the regulations. Neil, you were looking to add something. Yeah, I, th I, I, I totally echo Mike's point. Kickstart's actually just one of a, a whole range of opportunities, I guess, um, if you see them that way, for both in individuals and employers. And I think the role of colleges and the Black Country uh, Chamber of Commerce and others is to help people navigate through that, you know, to a degree, you know, the employer doesn't need to know whether this is a kickstart scheme, an apprenticeship <laughs> scheme, a sector-based work academy or whatever it's, it, it's going to be badged up as. We need to understand what it is they're trying to face in terms of a skills challenge and provide them with the best vehicle to do that and, and to match the young people or adults to that um, service. And I very much see that as being the role of the college and other training providers in the region um, to do that. But the good news is at least there are, those opportunities are out there. And I think anybody who, who goes to uh, Dudley College is uh, celebrating success evenings every year will know just how effective uh, the college is in terms of building those links and uh, managing so much of, of that. Now, we'd like to end on a, on a note of uh, optimism. Obviously, Alison's uh, given some examples of some people that she's recently helped move into uh, full-time permanent uh, work through the scheme. Do we have any... Uh, any other recent success stories where you've been able to help people get the placement or help people into 
a career first time perhaps back into the workforce after a break. So I, I've got an example for you. Uh, we just completed an apprenticeship. A uh, young gentleman called Danny sits somewhere over my left shoulder um, who, who hasn't got enough space to work at home, so he's still, still working here. <laughs> so Dan started off on an apprenticeship, uh, I don't know, 18 months, two years ago. He's just come through that apprenticeship. He's now a fully-fledged uh, member of our uh, finance team. He's now off doing his own bookkeeping course and wants to do um, his accounting qualifications after that. And that's just a great success story of, of a young man who uh, was looking to try and improve and better himself. He'd previously working in a warehouse and at some point someday, um, he's bright enough and clever enough and got enough aptitude and drive. And I think he'll make it all the way through to being a qualified accountant at some point. So that, that's my success story. Fantastic. Neil, you're never short of a success story. Well, I mean, uh, unfortunately, in my position, I don't get to meet so many of the individuals these days. I'm sure Alison could give you a hundred stories uh, like this. I mean, I, it, talking big picture for a moment, we have um, managed to negotiate with the Combined Authority a scheme for any apprentices who do get made redundant. And uh, I know there's a few people who've been in that position in recent months, and it does feel like the end of the world. Um, because you've lost your job and also effectively lost your opportunity for training because your training is linked to your, to your job. But we can now continue the technical training for any redundant apprentices through funding with access to the combined authority. And we've already seen people where that's allowed them to continue with their technical training, find a new job and get back to work. So I, I, again, just a message really that you know things can seem a bit bleak, I guess, at, at times here, but the opportunities are out there and, and grab them and, you know, Hopefully we can turn things around for you. I've just got one very good news story. It's happened in the last couple of days, so I'm, I'm bursting to share it. So one young man um, who left college and found employment before the lockdown. Unfortunately, during lockdown, he lost that job. He came to us and did one of our sector-based work academy programs for uh, linking in with the NHS. And through support and taking his um, business admin, customer service, medical terminology, he only this week gained an apprenticeship program at Lion Health in Starbridge. And he's absolutely um, ecstatic. It's really great to see. It's very rewarding. Brilliant note to finish on. And there, there are so many opportunities for training, maybe for upskilling, for building careers, career change. You know, that may be apprenticeships, it may be other training opportunities. But whatever party coming, whatever sector, whatever profession, there's so many benefits from, uh, from the kind of training opportunities that people like yourselves and many others offer. So thanks so much for, for joining me today. As I said at the beginning, if you'd like to hear more of our uh, community podcast, just go to whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or to Spotify, you can download the archive. Until next time, take care. Uh, look after yourselves and each other and thanks so much.